we're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. Show the rest of the world who aren't farmers what it is. What's it, what's it like on a farm? You know, what we do every day. We're feeding the world. It creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. In today's episode, Daniel and Wade are joined by Dr. Susan Fritz and Katie Claypack. Since 1998, Fritz Southdowns has been synonymous for success when it comes to showing Southdowns. Whether you're looking for your next competitive lamb, starter flock of ewes, or ram that will help put you on the map, Fritz Southdowns is the place to go. House District 13. Well, we just finished up. <laughs> we just finished up wheat harvest, and I'm kind of enjoying the first uh, kind of actually light evening at my house. It's usually dark 30 by the time I get home, so it's uh, really nice to be home and, and just kind of relaxing. Well, good, good. Glad harvest wrapped up well for y'all. Uh, we've got we've got Dr. Susan Fritz and Katie Claypack with us tonight. We're talking South Downs. Um, and I was telling Dan before the show, he said, who are these people? I said, man, if you want a high-quality Southdown weather in Texas, you go to Fredericksburg and you see the Fritz. Um, so why don't you all start off by telling us a little about yourself. Okay, well, um, I'm Dr. Susan Fritz. Like you said, uh, I grew up actually in Santa Ana, Texas, about five miles north of the mountain out on a sheep ranch. Um, sheep's always been a part of my family, my mom's family. Uh, we've traced it back to the late 1600s over in England, they were raising sheep, came over to the United States, and every generation has continued to be involved in some form of agriculture and sheep production since that point in time. So I'm actually a sixth-generation sheep rancher. Um, after graduating from Santa Ana High School, I went to Texas A&M University where I got my BS in animal science in 1978. I was actually the first woman to judge on the meat team at A&M and also judged on their livestock team. And then in 1981, I got my doctors of veterinary medicine from Texas A&M. And at that time, I moved back to Fredericksburg, uh, where I did practice for a while, finally opening up my own practice in 1987. Um, always been interested in sheep, grew up in the stock show world. My granddad was actually selling weather lambs for market lambs way back in the 1930s. Uh, we continued to do that as we grew up as kids. My dad raised fine wolves and fine wool crosses. So I got in high school, I got a, a few medium wolves and started raising some blacks of my own. But my heart was always in the South Downs because at the age of 10, back in 1966, I actually had a reserve grand champion with the South Down at the El Paso Southwest International Livestock Show. So when my kids were old enough to start showing, that's what we started looking for was South Downs. Um, Back in 1998, we finally bought about 150 acres to start raising lambs on, got us about 60 head of South Down use, with the goal in mind was to raise quality market lambs for our kids to show and become competitive. And that's where the history starts with Fritz South Downs. Yep. And this is Katie. Um, so my, my um, history is not as detailed as hers, but like she said, she's a sixth-generation sheep producer on her side, so that makes me the seventh on my, my mom's side. Um, on my dad's side, I'm actually the sixth generation, so my, deep, my roots definitely run extremely deep in raising livestock, especially raising sheep. 
So for the first 18 years of my life, truly all I ever knew was feed sheep, show sheep, repeat. Um, <laughs> you got to know me right a little bit in 4-H, but that I had to be in 4-H to be involved in showing sheep. So each uh, feed sheep, show sheep, repeat was really kind of, you know, what I did for the first 18 years. Um, I was really fortunate and lucky to get to um, attend Texas a University, where I double majored in animal science and agriculture economics. Um, while I was there, I did judge on the wool team, and I also judged on the meat team. Um, and then my ultimate goal was to go on to pharmaceutical sales, which I was successful in doing upon graduation, and I've been doing that for the past eight years. Doesn't seem real, but for the past eight years. So I do pharmaceutical sales in the animal health industry. Um, I currently work for a company called Boehringer Ingleheim. Y'all, y'all mentioned that, that Fritz Southdowns kind of started when the kids – the kids wanted to start showing. Um, how, how did y'all start that first U-Base, and, and kind of where did the, the initial Fritz Southdowns come from? Well, there was a breeder in Menard, Texas, uh, Pat Everett, and he was actually, he, he raised final, final crosses, and he had a small herd of Southdowns. And he decided he was tired of messing with the Southdowns. And um, we had been buying a few lambs from him over about two or three years there. And so when he was ready to we jumped on it and we picked up those ewes and that's where we got our bait started from. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, you're good. The sheep growing ranch farm? <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Sorry. <laughs> No, you're good. So, as I mentioned, I'm in pharmaceutical sales. So, I am not your 8 to 5 ranch employee. Um, really, my job description and job title evolved around marketing. And I kind of took on that role about 10 years ago. Um, I was talking to my husband about this a few, few months ago, how the first time I wanted to do some kind of marketing, I went to mom and I was like, Mom, we need to do some form of marketing because you go to stock shows and no one is wearing anything that says Fritz Staff Downs or talking Fritz Staff Downs. The only marketing we have is is basically in the ear tag of the sheep if those ear tags are still in those lands. And so she gave me a very tiny little budget and I was able to buy koozies and a, a, probably 100 koozies and a few dozen caps. And I was able to put all of those belongings into a bag that I hauled into the Houston Livestock Show. And before the show was over, I had no items left. That's how popular they were. And so quickly, Mom was like, oh, my gosh, we need to do more marketing. I was like, I told you. I've been telling you. And so it evolved into having a website, involved into getting a logo. It's involved into sweaters and jackets and, and Yetis and banners and all kinds of stuff over the years. So really, if it's, a, if it's any kind of marketing, whether that's a print ad or a social media ad or um, getting our logo on some kind of merchandise for our, our exhibitors to have, that's really my role. So it's, it's something that happens on weekends and after 5 o'clock, really after 8.30 when my son goes to bed, but um, definitely after hours, my role will be marketing. Right. And mine is primarily, of course, health and nutrition you know with my background i'm in charge of making sure all the protocols are followed as far as vaccinations go warmings go checking six animals when i get home in the evening um as i mentioned i am a veterinarian i did establish a clinic back in 1987 in fredericksburg which was a small animal clinic but uh, after katie graduated and and i had more time out here to spend out here we actually built a small ruminant clinic out here at the house where we can do 
surgeries and, and doctor uh, sheep and goats after hours as needed. So um, I have to say, I actually take care of, of health and nutrition. But then again, uh, I'm only working three days a week now. I sold my clinic in 2019. So on uh, days I'm home, I'm involved in feeding, you know, checking stock. Uh, we all help. Katie's helped last year as far as sorting for breeding. Um, we don't just go through and say these 10 here, these 10 there, whatever. We sit down and we look at pedigrees on every ewe that comes through. We have pe- uh, information back for every lamb they've ever lambed, who purchased it, what did it do, was it a good mix, you know, was there an issue with that lamb? I mean, we sit down and evaluate every ewe as it comes through the chute. So, I mean, you know, of course, feeding and taking care of them is one thing, but then we continue on. We raise some of our own hay. Um, so we have to plant, you know, uh, and of course, being in the wheat fields, you know how much you can spend time in the fields too. And we're fixing to get into hay season where we're going to be cutting probably next week. So that means nights in the field, bailing, hauling, things like that, because it's the cheapest way to produce some of the food for our animals. So we do produce some of our own feed that way. But so those are kind of our day-to-day basis things and, and our hats. I guess our husbands are the ones that do most of grunt work. They're the ones out there doing the feeding on a day-to-day basis. Um, you know, they're there from 7.30 in the morning until 5 or 5.30 in the evening taking care of all the, the tours that are on the ranch. And, of course, whenever it's lambing season, it is all hands on uh, deck yes, every all day. Hours. If you're not working that day, you're in the lambing barn because that is a never-ending operation from January to April. 24 hours a day, basically. We even installed cameras so we can keep an eye on them pretty much 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. So it's, wow. an intense, it's a labor-intense job, but it's a fun job. You have to like it in order to do it. Well, <laughs> that, uh, that sounds... Sounds very interesting, honestly. I didn't realize there was so much involved in that. So tell me what y'all ranch. Well, if if I if I bring if I go to a sheep ranch or something like that, I'm sure my fiance would want to go, and then we'd end up buying one, and then it would be a long. Well, yeah, I'm sure you are. I don't know if I am though. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's move on here. I, I don't want to dwell on this subject too soon. I think she's gonna hear this part. But uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, tell tell me a bit about the ranch and what y'all got set up there in order to do what you were just explaining about having to have you know literally all hands on deck most of the time. Right. Well, we have about 187 acres that are here at the home place. We have another 200 acres on our, on a ranch in Mason. Nobody lives at that that location, but it's basically for handling use in the off season. Um, we do run a handful of cows. They're up there, and that's where we do a lot of our grazing up there. Um, so we between both places, we have right at 500 acres on our ranch here at the house. Not only do we have what we call the show barn, and that's where when the kids were younger, that's where they took care of all their show animals. But now that's basically the show barn for showing lambs that are for sale or ewes that are for sale or whatever. If we're trying to get stuff together for uh, a sale, they, they stay right here at the house. For the ones that the, the breeding lambs that we will show and right. breeding shows ourselves. Right. They stay right here at the house. Then from there, we have two other barns that house just rams. 
Um, and so they, they're at those barns there. And then we have a rather large lambing barn down there that actually has 50 individual jugs in there that's utilized during lambing season primarily. And every year that lambs with her lamb, they come into that jug for about 48 hours. I mean, if they've got triplets, if they've got a problem, they're going to stay in that jug longer than that. And that's why, like Katie said, lambing season is so intensive because those youths have to be fed, watered, paid, stalls cleaned out, uh, branded, branded, you know, but they have to be fed and watered twice a day. And those lambs actually get checked off and on throughout the day. Um, and then we have two very large hay barns that we keep stacked full of hay. We have an implement shed out there that's got tractors, we've got balers, we've got cutters, you know, so this ranch, when we purchased it, had one small set of pens on it back in 1998, and now it is dotted with all kinds of working facilities. We actually have two separate sets of working pens, so we don't have to bring the sheep all the way over from the far side to the, to the working pens that were here originally that we've actually expanded on. We have a couple of acres of uh, improved pasture lands. We have some Tipton. We have a couple of patches with Tipton in them. Um, and then we have a couple of plots that we actually plant triticale in in the wintertime for those bread used to graze on as they come out with those lambs, not the bread, but those used that have lambed with lambs. And then in the wintertime, we come in there and we seed it with BMR uh, hay seed, and then we raise some hay there. Uh, plus, we lease some farmland so we can continue to raise more hay that we need. So it's not just a one structure built thing. We've got we've got buildings and pens all over these basically 200 acres that we're we're operating on right now. And sheep and all of them. Yeah. We also have guard dogs that run with us. We have we have about 13 different guard dogs that help protect this area, and um, they're producers too. We sell we sell guard dog puppies all the time, but. Um, since we brought the guard dogs on the place, probably back in about 2006, we have, we have not lost a, a lamb or a ewe to predators. Uh, a, a while back, we visited with Austin Voyles about Houston 2020 and how things kind of played out there in the lamb and goat barn. Uh, we'd love to get y'all's thoughts on how, how things played out having a, having a breed that normally shows after lunchtime. Yeah, so it was pretty crazy to be there. Um, we were, we were there as, as, breeders that day just watching because that's what we I would go and support our, our feeders um it was really crazy time because they're they're been talking to barn about um the show being cut down the show being canceled the show being brushed but you don't really plan for that to actually happen and so when they made the announcement around one o'clock um it was kind of crazy and, and exhibitors were concerned because what does that look like for them we were fortunate that um, we do raise Downs and South Downs were the first breed after lunch, and so we were pretty confident that the South Downs show would go on. Pretty confident that our exhibitors who had purchased animals and worked so hard all year would, at the very least, get a chance to exhibit them. Um, because I feel like all all exhibitors, whether you're a black exhibitor or a South Down exhibitor or a heifer exhibitor, I think they all would deserve that chance because they worked so hard all year long. And so it was kind of crazy. Um, but we were fortunate enough that these, these South Downs and the whole show, the sheep show, was able to proceed um, in that day. Absolutely. And we, we unfortunately, this COVID stuff's still going on, but it, it also affected a, a long-standing annual event there at the ranch in, in early April. Um, how long has that, that April sale been going on there? Um, I think this is going to be like our, it started off in nine, so this would have been our 11th year. 
and it was really kind of funny how I, back in January, I told Kevin, I said, I would really like to think about maybe having an online auction to do. And so we actually met with our auctioneers, CJ Smith, there before Fort Worth, because I said, I want us to figure out this is an option for us or not. So when we start advertising our sale, we know whether to let people know that it's coming down the, the road. So we met with Ben and talked to him about it, and he was very supportive of the fact that he thought it would be a good idea to not only have live options, but also do the live online options with CCI. And so, you know, Kevin and I are definitely not technical savvy. You know, it's like, well, so we came home and we told Penny what we had done, we kind of put it out to her. Then we would have to go in there and video all the sheets. We'd have to get good pictures of all the sheets. Now, we've always done pictures of the maps. We've never done videos. And we had no idea really how to get started as far as doing that. But um, once we were glad to already have it on the books when all this other stuff started coming down because even though we couldn't do the live sale at the ranch, we had already made preparations to do it online. And to be honest with you, our feeders and everybody seemed to be very supportive of the idea. I mean, we had people come in the week before the sale. We scheduled only groups of four or five at a time. They were allowed an hour and a half to come in and view the animals and then move out before the next group came in because everybody seemed to be locked down so tight in such a, a panic situation. And we were able to, I mean, actually host over 100 people that week by scheduling them out every hour and a half. And everyone was, again, just so appreciative of the fact that we get to get out, search for lambs, do a few things that are normal again, that, I mean, it, it worked great. And Katie can tell you about the videos. I mean, we, it, it was quite an experience. The first one, how long it takes to video the first one? Oh. Two hours? Too long. <laughs> Way too long. That's for sure. Yeah, so um, we had, when we talked about doing an online sale, we had envisioned doing videos. Because um, our ultimate goal was to make sure what we were offering, people were were confident that they were the actual animal that would be available, right? Um, so we wanted to make sure that they were honest videos, honest pictures, that they were true reflections of the sheep that we had in the barn. And so um, we set up that Saturday morning after washing and shearing the whole day before and thinking, like, okay, I'm going to show this one one time or let it go, let it walk down the walk down the, the barn, and, you know, 30 seconds, we're going to be done. Well, you don't realize that their sheep are scared of the green carpet. You don't realize the sheep are scared of the blue banners. You don't realize the sheep don't know where to go. You don't realize that their sheep are just, you know, wanting to run off or wanting to, to, to lay down or whatever the case is. And so that first one took five to 10 different recordings before we thought we have to move on because we did 10 recordings of all 56 of these sheep were going to be here all week doing these recordings. And we had people end up on Monday. So um, luckily we learned quickly as we had these videos and we definitely got better and better towards the second sale. We were basically doing one video program and most of the videos were about 45 seconds long. So we definitely got faster. Um, but we also did photos for every lamb. So not only did they get 
there are facts in India, or three of them, depending on, on uh, the animal itself. But they also get 50 photos, so that way we would have a good butt view, side view, um, front view, including um, the classification of their heads. So we wanted to make sure whatever we offered was very accurate. Um, we were very pleased when people came out to look at them that week for the sale. We would ask them because the only way you get better is by asking, right? We'd say, hey, okay, did you see this online? What did you think? What do you, do you have any critiques and suggestions? And people were very pleased with the animals That's that they supportive. got to see. They were very supportive. Um, over and over we were told, this is exactly what I saw online. It was also funny because over and over we were told, they look better in person than they do online. And that's great because that makes you feel like you've really shown them something that is a real sheep. It's a real option. It's not, it's not Photoshop. It's not edited in any form. It is something that we are, are happy to put our name on and happy to market to the public. Exactly. Well, y'all also, I guess probably the week before that, so y'all absolutely flooded Facebook with – with updates and pictures and, and lots of videos. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I feel like every time I open Facebook up, y'all y'all had pushed a new video out about about this is what we're doing today. This is what <laughs> if you want to come on, come on. What was was that always the plan to, to flood Facebook like that, or did that kind of happen when y'all when y'all finally realized, man, this isn't going to happen in person like we want it to? You know, I don't know that I ever had a vision for what our Facebook um, experience would look like. All I know is that people have been used to my talk show and things started changing, right? We knew that our show was not going to be what we pictured year after year, right? We knew there were going to be changes. And so what I found pretty fast was that it is so easy to hop on Facebook and, and type out a post that takes 30 seconds to push, you know, publish. It also takes three minutes to hop on and, and do a video and tell people, here's the updates, or here's the current situation, or, or here are our plans. And so I never intended to um, blast on Facebook or to be a daily poster on Facebook, but when it is so convenient and you're able to touch such a large audience that is that is specific to the Fritz operation, it was hard not to. And people were getting on there, and they were liking, and they were sharing our, our videos. They were commenting, and they were sending us messages saying, like, what can I come work, or how do I schedule an appointment? It's hard not to get on there and to just be energized by the momentum of, of the public getting back to the efforts that we're putting out there on Facebook. Well, I think people were, were excited for the fact that there was, there was going to be a sale and there was going to be an offering of sheep. It was crazy how many people called and said, you know, our kids have been locked out at home. They need something normal. They need another sheep in the barn. They need something they can go out and spend time with in the afternoons. And I think another reason we did so much of that blasting was because things kept changing from day to day because we really didn't know what to expect was coming down the pipe. And we knew that our, our viewing schedules were filling up. We started every morning at 8.30 and finished up every night at 10 o'clock. And I think out of five days, we had two appointments that were not taken. And so we wanted to get it out in front of people so that if they did want to come, they could call and schedule that appointment before they were full and we could not take any more. Because like I say, we were limiting it to only four to five people to come on the ranch at a time. One of the videos to see it line where we, um, I basically Vanna Whited how to get on CCI, which was our online sale platform, how to get measured by how to find our sale. And, you know, I thought it was so funny that I did that, but, but we had so many questions about how do I find a sale online? And so after taking so many phone calls and so many text messages, you finally just say, okay, 
there's a need to break down how exactly to be involved in our sales sale day. And so even though I felt kind of silly doing that whole how-to video, it was necessary. And I, I got so many um, views on that video, and people were watching it again for sale number two just to see how to get involved if they weren't going to be here in person. I think for anybody involved in the cattle industry, the, the name Christy Collins um, is, is synonymous with, with high-quality marketing. But in the sheep barn, it's probably a little bit of an unknown. Um, but I think the way y'all y'all handled that sale was yeah. great. Uh, so, which is definitely very helpful with this whole thing. Yes. We could have done it without her. And I don't think there's anything hard about it. It's just it was new, right? It's new for Fritz Outdown. And so – that, that was a struggle for our feeders, but right. it was new for us. It was new for our operation. And it was so weird just in general that they couldn't be here. It was weird for us. It was weird for our feeders, especially the ones that have been coming out and buying lambs from us for the last 10 years. Yeah. It was just such a different time that um, we all had to figure out how to accept the situation that we were in. And the interesting thing was the first sale was online only, you know, and, and we normally have around 200, 300 people show up for that sale. And again, that was like a surreal day that day. Whenever, you know, you're out in the barn, you're on the auction block, you're selling sheep to a computer, you know? And the, the second sale, we did both live and in, and in person. And even though, you know, we opened it up, but we had people here, was that we still got online the people they never came and looked or anything. They just, they trusted the videos enough that they felt comfortable just purchasing them. For sale. So yeah. a third of them didn't look at them in person beforehand or did a sale. Or sale. They just looked at our YouTube videos. Right. And so that made us feel really good that people had that much trust in our ability to photograph and video our livestock and put it out there. They had that much trust in us to go ahead and purchase those animals. You, you mentioned that you're selling to computer screen. I, I watched some of the first sale just from a spectator standpoint, but uh, you wouldn't know that Jason Spence was selling to an empty barn. Um, he got into it, and he, he, he made sure those animals brought what they deserved. You're exactly right. You know, he, he put his whole heart and soul in that thing, just as if he had ever that barn. He's a heart and soul. She even means he had the music playing the morning of, yep. like if you were at a live auction. But I think it's because our barn was so dead. There was 10 of us, and we were just like, okay, so it's, it's us. It's 10 of us, and, and this is the sound day. But he still played his music. He still did all his all Jason Smith things. Yeah, yeah. It was actually it was, it was It was different, but we had a good time. Yeah. yeah. Y'all touched that the, the online sale was new to y'all. And, and, Dan, earlier you mentioned that you wouldn't know wouldn't know how to go about buying a, a an animal if you needed to buy one. Fortunately, um, the Fritz are going to have a production sale um, tomorrow, July 7th. This is our first ever production sale. Yes, sir. What uh, what what caused that? Um, is it is it time to cut some cut loose of some high quality genetics at the place, or or what's 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 the reason behind this sale? Well, I mean, Kevin and I are getting older. I know Katie and Ty are here, but we're beginning to try to think it's time for us to kind of back a little bit. So we kind of went through and picked out a few years, you know, decided we would put them on. Actually, we're doing this one through SP Online. It's going to be the bidding starts at noon, um, and then closes, I think, at 5 with a race finish. It closes finish. at 7, seven. With the okay. finish, and then it'll be the three, two, one style. The other thing is that we've never been big on selling genetics. 
Um, but as you said, you watched the first sale. We had some Elam up for sale for um, some good money. And so we were realizing that there is a high demand in the market for some fresh down genetics. We thought we would put 10 elite together, um, put the match there with SD Online, which will be another new experience for us, and see what what that market looks like for us. Well, we wish, wish you all the best of luck in that sale. It, it will be tomorrow on SC Online. Uh, go to the Sheep tab. Um, for, for those that are interested in the, in the sheep, who can they contact to, to learn more about those animals? So the best contact for the sale would be Ty Paypack, which is my husband. Um, he can be reached on his cell phone 361-449-7844. Awesome. All right, so we've discussed uh, social media a little bit. I always like to talk about that because I spend more time on social media than uh, I really should. But when y'all started using social media, uh, you mean you you had some different marketing tools beforehand, but how do you use it to your advantage to market y'all's product? So, what we've had longest would be um, our website. And we've always done print ads. But the difference with social media is that I can go and I can do an update or I can make a new announcement um, the moment that we decide it, right? So the moment we decide that we're going to have an online sale, I can go out there and I can say, we're going to have an online sale. And I can give you the details as fast as we come up with them or I can make changes in something. And so we really adapt to social media aspects because we were able to target kind of our audience, right? So if you like Fritz South Downs or you like South Downs, or you like sheep, those are all things that I can um, do hashtags on, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook and get more people on our page and more people of the same interest. Or if you're doing things like a um, magazine print ad, that's going to people that um, maybe show cow or maybe show pigs, right? And have no interest in sheep. So we're able to be more specialized in our targeted audience, um, we're able to do as many posts as many as we want, or we can be as quiet as we want, or we can change it up and say, hey, we had guard dog puppies today, and they'll be ready to go next week. Um, the other thing is we're able to attach it to our YouTube account, our Instagram account. We're also able to put plugs in there about like our online sale with CCI. I was able to put um, direct links, so if you just click on our post, it would take you straight to our CCI um, online format. Just like the SDS Nightdale, if you are uh, right now, you'll be able to click on the link straight to a seat sale. So I just love the flexibility. I love the ease of use. I think that you know, the world we live in today is very social media focused. Um, and so it just works well, especially for me since I'm the marketing person. Um, it just works well for what I'm comfortable with and how fast I'm able to kind of get the information to our consumers. Mm-hmm. Well, I 100% agree with that. I mean, it's it's literally a, a platform for free advertisement. You can share uh, so many different things on it, and you don't have to pay for it. You really don't, and that's that's the beauty of it. Uh, I, I, I just I like that. So here's a question: Social media uh, usually, if it's a if it's a uh, public account, it attracts all sorts of people, and some may or may not disagree. Or excuse me, agree with, with your practices on your ranch. Have you dealt with anybody that uh, perhaps has an ill uh, mindset against what y'all do? 
You know, we, and I'm not going to this, we have not had anyone come to us um, upset with anything that we have done. Um, but with that being said, we keep that in mind when we're, when we're posting pictures of working sheep or taking videos of sheep. Like, we, we want people to see how we really feel about our animals. And so, um, it, I just I don't think you're gonna find someone who disagrees with our handling of them because we handle them in a manner that we are very proud of and that we we are happy to put on social media. Exactly. You know we we're very conscientious of you know like she said we we don't want animal stress we don't want anybody injured we don't want anything like that mm-hmm. you know and, and and we always post positive things we don't try to post anything negative yes you know we're always trying to be supportive of feeders of you know functions uh things like that we're always trying to be supportive and, and, and for that reason we've never had any issues even though we're, we're, we're sheep people through and through our ultimate goal is not just for every person in the world to love South Downs, but we want every person in the world to love agriculture. I don't exactly. care if that you love tractors or you love you love sheep or you love cattle or you love bar dogs. I don't care what aspect of it is. Our goal is to get people on this on the side of the fence of we like agriculture, we appreciate agriculture, and that agriculture is a good thing because that's that's truly what we believe is that agriculture right. is what makes the world turn. And so, you know, if we if we treat animals in a manner that we're proud of and we can happily post on social media that we're hopeful that our followers agree with that i just had to ask that question you know i, I see that uh instagram accounts that uh such as the new york farm girls a while back on the show we had them and and we discussed that they, they do get a lot of people that just have ill intent and usually it's the one percent of them that are just loud they don't they don't understand and i'm, I'm glad that to see that y'all don't have to deal with that because it gets tiring i tell you what it's it's something else uh, and before i go on a rant there i'm going to move on uh what we like to ask is we ask our people like you watch these videos you see any concerns or anything you have to change like we ask our our, our viewers is there anything uh-huh. that we can do to support you you know because if, if we're if we're doing things that are not in the best interest of the livestock industry then that's not good for our feeders so we want to make sure whatever we're doing is in everyone's best interest. And so if someone came up to me and said, Katie, you need to not do this, oh, we would we would do it if it was in the best interest of the industry, for sure. Right. I 100% agree with that. Uh, wow, that's some pretty good stuff. Um, <laughs> moving on, we, we like to always ask personal perspective, uh, whether it be talking to some, one your younger self or – looking on into the future, but uh, what does life look like for the both of y'all 10 years from now? Well, you know, the thing is, it's hard to see what's been happening 10 years when there's so many changes in the last two weeks. I think we're going to have to be more creative, maybe, as far as marketing products go, even though I think we've done a really good job up to this point. Like Katie says, we're going to have to be advocates in the next 10 years very strong because there's a lot of people out there that do not believe in agriculture. They think that we can survive on petri dish meat and a few plants and things like that. And I think that at some point in time, they will come around and realize that to be sustainable as a population, ag will become an important part of it again. And so we have to continue to educate people as far as the importance of agriculture goes. Um, 
Hopefully I'll be retired and Katie will be running it by then. So I'm glad we're work. But, you know, I, I think even as, as retired people in, in, in agriculture, you have to continue to support this industry and try to educate people to, about the importance of it because so many people out there are just in the dark. They have no idea how much hard work they put into it in order to feed this world. You know, and it's not just about raising market lambs. It's about raising kids that are responsible, about helping, you know, you know, like I say, continuing on to keep everything in a normal field because I don't think we can exist without agriculture. And I think that's where you have to continue to focus over the next 10 years is how to bring ourselves together and keep our voices heard. You mean to tell me I can't just go to the grocery store and get what I want and live on peacefully and happy? That's, that's no, unheard of. No, I know. <laughs> our, oldest, our oldest daughter did school tours in San Antonio one year, and she took them over the pork barn. And she said, where do you think bacon comes from? Because she had a the, the pork carcass up there in front of them. And all the kids in unison hollered, H-E-B. Well, H-E-B didn't make that bacon. They don't realize where it comes from. <laughs> You know, and that's right. the sad part. They think you just go to work and you pick it up, and they don't realize all the hard work and efforts to go into getting that that product made and then that store available for them. Yes, ma'am. I agree 100. percent It's it's time to move on to our favorite part of the show, and that's the rapid fire portion. Uh, we've got four questions for y'all. Uh, we ask that you don't think too long about them. Just tell us the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, my first question is, if you, if you could only go to one Texas major next year, which one would it be? Fort Worth. Yeah, Fort Worth. That is a, that is a pretty good open sheep show there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we that have an open breeding sheep show every year. That's like our family highlight every year to go to the open breeding sheep show. I guess we've been going there for probably 20 years now. All right, this is definitely not an animal involved. Uh, <laughs> if you were stuck on an island, what three items would you have with you in order to survive? Probably a pocket knife. Probably, I don't know, a bottle for water. No, you have to have a glass to start a fire. Well, okay. Some kind of glass to start a fire. A glass, I guess it's three. The third one would be... Oh, I, I want my husband there. You too. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was vacation. No, you're stuck. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Who are you arguing with? Well, like you. <laughs> you. We're stuck together. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good answer. We won't tell Kevin and Ty y'all said that. Uh, <laughs> um. Out of y'all, y'all fed lots of Fritz Weathers over the years. Um, is there one that sticks out as y'all's favorite? Oh, gee. A Weather would be mine. Name's differently. So, That's showing, um, when I was in high school, I would do about 60 shows a year. And Mr. Friendly went to about 45, 50 of them. And the reason he didn't go to all of them was because the others were probably um, breeding shows. And then, so he was in my trailer all summer. And then he went. Uh, to Fort Worth, where we left him as champion top down. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, Mr. Oh. Friendly, that's why I be my woman. And that sheep, if you back the trailer up to the barn, 
and he didn't get the load, he was mad. He was running up and down that fence line and water all day long. He didn't care where you were taking something. He thought when the trailer backed up to the barn, he was he supposed to be on it. Yeah. And probably out of the 45 times he chose, he probably was champion. Mm, 35, 40 times. Yeah. Yeah. This sounds like a good one to have in the barn. Uh, Dan, go and ask that last one. Mm-hmm. All right. This is very near and dear to my heart. And if y'all answer the wrong question, then I don't think we can be friends. So be prepared. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, lemonade or sweet tea? Oh, sweet tea. Lemonade. Mom's saying I sweet tea. Oh, my heart. <laughs> she was real hesitant well, to answer there. <laughs> she was. She, she knew that that was not the right answer, too, I believe. But we don't judge here. I'm brave. Uh, I, I'm stubborn. As we as we start to wrap things up here, I want to thank y'all for coming on the show. Uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find your light on social media or, or y'all's website? So social media on Facebook, Burford Stopdown, Instagram, or Fritz Stopdown. YouTube, our channel name is Fritz Stopdown. Or if you type in FritzStopdown.com, that'll take you straight to our website. Um, make sure we spell Stopdowns. You put an S on the end, um, and that is where you will find all of our information on the internet. Well, great. Those links will be down we go. in the show notes below. Um, also, don't forget about their their first ever Fritz Stopdowns production sale um, tomorrow. SC Online Sales. Um, if you don't go buy them, look through them. Dan, close it out. So y'all kind of have the the ten year plan, life of life outlook of ten years from now, uh, pretty well thought out, and I enjoyed that answer. But I always, you don't hear a lot about agriculture. We're the two percent in this nation. Uh, here just recently, I was. Uh, saying that, you know, there's a lot of backbones of the nation, but agriculture is a pretty important backbone. Uh, without that, I'd, I think a lot of people wouldn't survive. Um, within the future, we've got social media. We've got all sorts of new platforms arising uh, that might outtake Instagram, that might overtake Facebook. Heck, I don't even use it anymore, really. But in order to negotiate, uh, not really negotiate, but in order to survive uh, moving forwards, what's your plan? Uh, do you have a, have a game plan for the next 10 years of, of how you're going to use social media to move forward, to be able to teach uh, younger, younger generations uh, that, that bacon doesn't come from HB? Gosh darn it, it comes from a pig. <laughs> and 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 what goes in towards every single agricultural product that goes directly to the consumer? Uh, this is a long-winded question. I apologize, but I just I, I'm curious about y'all's game plan for the next ten years. I mean, how do you show the world, show the nation, show the state, really, uh, what really goes on? Uh, behind the grocery store, I guess, is a, is a good way to word it. Well, I mean, of course, we don't know what's out there coming at us, but the thing is we've always been open-minded and willing to reach out and grasp anything new that's been 
you know, been suggested or comes our way. I know with this pandemic, with a lot of people being shut down and everything, you see all kinds of things, videos on Facebook now from selecting your sheep to feeding your sheep to proper medicating your sheep. And as breeders out here, we may have to do the same thing to explain, you know, why we select certain types of nutrition. And and I think you're, you're going to get to a, a point in time where it's going to be harder and harder to find medications for your animals. And you're going to have to kind of go over how we handle certain situations so people will feel comfortable with our products in the food chain. And I think the more that, that we can educate them on how you know, like Katie says, we, we always try to do things in the right form. We don't want to stress them. We don't want them suffering. We don't want anything like that going on. And hopefully by, by educating our public that way, it will help our product be more superior maybe to someone else's. Um, but like I say, you know, we're, we're always game to try something new because even before this COVID thing came along, we were already exploring the option of doing the live online sale. So we're always looking for better ways to market our animals because, um, you know, without a market, it's hard to, to sell and produce and, and, and to make a living, um, you know, and to continue to to treat customers and clients like their family. And I guess that's one thing we never touched on, but that's kind of our theme around here. When we sell you a product, a project, or we sell you an animal, we're not we're not done with the exchange of cash with that handshake. We're available 24 hours a day. If you have a question on health and nutrition, if animal not doing well, if you're having trouble getting into show, if you don't know which show you want to go to, if you're having trouble finding help in your area, we we want to be there. We want to be like a full service uh, farm where where we can help you in lots of aspects and not just sell you that. And that's what has helped us, you know, start with us when they're six years old, and they're still our customers when they graduated at 18. And we have some people coming back now that were our customers when they were six or, or they were 12 or 15 years old, and they're now bringing their children back to be our customer. And, I mean, that's what, what we like to see is that we work on whatever medium we need to to help our feeders so that they aren't just thrown out there no place to go for help or questions or answers. Yep, and I think it's that kind of history that it's eager to come and buy animals because, like, we've got a little girl and she's like, well, my daddy got a bear and I want to beat him with one of your sheep. And so they come every year because she's determined to beat him. And we've got siblings who want a little, little banner, and, and the other one will say, well, that's not fair. Why did my dad give you the sheep to banner? So next year, that other kid will d demand to get a fifth pop down because they believe they get a fifth pop down there to get a banner. And so it's that kind of um, family operation that people get committed into, and they, they feel a part of it. And if, and if my sibling can get one, then I can get one. And it just kind of becomes a passion mm -hmm. and, and a fun family competition. Yeah, and with the passion we have, we, we will embrace what comes along to help promote our product and get it out there. Wow. That was uh, – I really enjoyed that. You know, uh, I've been I've been on the IG, social media, whatever, for a few years, and it's always interesting because every now and then I'll just get a, a DM of someone, and it's, it's not that they're ignorant. They just – don't know they they want to learn and i enjoy being able to teach 
or at least try to share people what I know because that's not a lot, but I mean, it's better than nothing. And yeah. getting to see somebody, you know, from the city or even, even the country. I mean, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of people that live in the country don't exactly understand what goes on in a, on a farm or whatever. But when people are willing to learn, uh, direct consumers, if you will, are willing to learn about what's going on in order for them to, to you know, eat that piece of bread or, or have some bacon and eggs or, or whatever you want to come up with. Uh, there's no, there's a lot more work involved uh, rather than just the farmer just growing it and selling it because then you got to get it processed and, and get it into the store. I mean, there's so many venues of, of work that gets put into place in order for that to get on the table. Uh, sorry, not too many words, but I enjoy being able to show people what it's like to be a farmer, and, and I'm sure you all enjoy getting to show people what it's like to, to raise sheep and, and all the jobs that are within that. And so I want to thank you. I mean, I, I really do enjoy getting to learn this type of stuff. I, I tell people all the time I hate animals. That's not the full truth. I just say it so I don't have to talk myself into buying some animals, but that's still going to happen uh, when I get married, I know. But, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things, and I really do enjoy, and I want to thank you for, for being an advocate, for, for sharing everything that goes on because, you know, it's tough. I'm sure that y'all are just fine with not having people uh, try to dig in and, and have problems with you. But it's going to happen eventually. There's always going to be somebody that has a disposition. And the, the, right. the key there is is to not deal with it in an angry way. I've watched a lot of people lose uh, control, including myself, and that just puts a worse, uh, worse eyesight, uh, a, a bad taste in the mouth of anyone who thinks agriculture might be okay. And – I've learned that pers from personal experience. But, again, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show and, and, and sharing what y'all do. It's very interesting, and I'm sure when my uh, fiance hears this, she's going to want to buy a sheep. And so I'll have to deal with that when it comes up. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah I'm talking too much. But well, you talk about the negative Go ahead. Impact. I'm sorry. I think he's able to um, – learn over the years that we've showed because you go to shows mm -hmm. like Houston or San Antonio or Fort Worth, you're in front of the public, right? And the bulk of the tourists that come to those shows um, do not know about our culture. And so I know for years we would be shearing sheep of thorns and they would say, oh, you're cutting their skin off. And so for years we've been educating people. We've exactly. educated them that, no, this is wool. And this is what makes your jacket or your shoe, or not your, your socks or your scarf or whatever, you know, we've, we've had to educate from that standpoint, we've had to educate why we, why we dress right. them, why we dot tails, why they, why they have muzzles, why they get washed. I mean, we've been educating the public for as long as I can remember. And it all stems back to showing those animals. And I think that's where we're a little different is that we don't have a, you know, operation that, that never sees the public. We have the operation that whenever we go to shows, we are face to face with with um, individuals who are uneducated, and we get the chance to educate them as much as we can. Well, I really do appreciate what you're doing. Uh, it's it's important to to teach the the future generations. Uh, mm -hmm. Wait, <laughs> you want to end this out? 
Dr. Fritz, Katie, thanks for coming on the show with us. Uh, Katie, it's been great to catch up with you. Um, uh, Dan, I think I think we're good here. Um, check out their sale tomorrow on SC. We'll catch y'all next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Advocates. Be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to see who we'll feature next. On behalf of Dan, I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.